take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Field Preachers. This is Rachel Gilmore, the Director of Recruiting, Assessing, and Training of Church Planters at Path One for Discipleship Ministries. And I am super excited to welcome our guest for today. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Olu Brown and uh, Adam Weber. Olu is the pastor at Impact Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And Adam is at Embrace Church in Sioux Falls. I think I reconnected with you guys this summer, or last summer, actually, when we were trying to figure out who the grandmothers and grandfathers of church planting were. So I'm a grandma. You guys are some of the grandpas. We were in the trenches for 10 years or more, and you have just done incredible things. You guys are leading like the largest United Methodist church plants in the United States. So thank you again for taking your time to join us. I'm going to jump right into the first question which has changed since I originally invited you uh, to participate today. But but man, we just have to name the fact that first we had this pandemic and economic depression, and now we have this ongoing battle with racism in our nation. And people are feeling anxious, angry, empty. So could you just take a minute and talk about what your church or your community is experiencing in response to the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor? Uh, Olu, you want to dive in? one-on-one conversations, of course, with people who are impacted differently in the local church. Um, and that may be what they're thinking about spiritually, emotionally, uh, professionally. And so a lot of different conversations. And then finally, internally for our church team, whether it's key volunteers or staff, having conversations about that and also preparing. Uh, and I know uh, a lot of churches are, 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 you know, in the summer, you're thinking about series and how you're going to do those. So we're also looking at the worship flow and theme and preaching and those kind of things and how this impacts it. So quite a bit of things and quite a bit of conversations are happening in light of what we're facing uh, right now in our world. Yeah, I feel like I should just let Olu keep talking because he's someone that I actually considered reaching out to this week just to say, hey, what should, what should I be doing? Um, for, for, for me and, and what we're doing at Embrace, um, I'll just speak for me personally, not as a pastor, but as a person. I've just been trying to listen, honestly, and, and um, just been trying to listen as much as I can. Last Thursday morning, I grabbed coffee with an African-American pastor here in town. We caught up and kind of chit-chatted, and then I just said, Hey, Josh, I just want to let you talk. I don't have any other, any other questions. I just love to hear how you feel, how you're doing. And uh, even to the African-American family that lives on my block, just been trying to listen to, just listen. And I just asked the dad the other night, his name's Dwight. He works two jobs. Um, and I just said, hey, how are you feeling this week? Like, how are you doing? And so I've just been trying to listen. Um, also just been trying to like personally, again, this is for me, per, like as a person, not as a pastor, been trying to love on folks. Um, did we, I just tried to go out of my way to that, that man that I, I spoke about last night. Um, me and a couple of friends, I asked, I said, hey, would this be a blessing for me to help with this one thing in his yard? And he said, that'd be fantastic. So a few friends and I, were going to stop over later today and just going to serve him in that way. Um, and then, um, on, on Saturday morning, my wife, we woke up and my wife said, just said, I just want to do something kind for somebody. And so we reached out to a few African-American friends and just said, Hey, would love to grab, uh, just love to, we're doing deliveries from Starbucks and just wondering if we can pick up 
Starbucks for you and your spouse. You don't have to do that. No, if you, if you want it, we'd love to drop it off. So just dropped it off and just said, Hey, how are you doing? And then just listen. So that's, that's what I've been trying to do personally. Um, for us as a church, uh, we, we talked about it on Sunday, which is a, it shouldn't be a big deal, but it was a fairly big deal for embrace. We tend to stay away from anything that's political, just being totally candid. Um, cause so often people stop listening the moment you start talking politics or whatever that means. But I just, I was like, no, I can't be quiet any longer. Um, as the father of an African-American son and on behalf of the African-American folks that attend this church and will in the future, they have to know that I'm behind them. So very spoke very, very directly, um, was a part of the peaceful protest on Sunday. Um, and then we've tried to just provide resources for people. So we shared, um, an email and some resources on our social yesterday. Um, a conversation I, I interviewed Latasha Morris, um, just, a uh, not too far back, like just a month or so ago. And we released that and then linked them some other conversations that people have been having and just saying, Hey, um, I just want to challenge you just to listen to folks who look different than you. And so, um, I feel like I'm a work in progress to be honest with you. It's not something that I'm an expert in. And so I'm just been trying to do a really good job of listening and, and helping other people kind of guide the conversation of saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And I want to encourage you to do the same. I'm really trying to model what it looks like just to listen. And, and so, gosh, we have nothing figured out. I feel so inadequate to, na- to answer that question. Yeah. Well, I appreciate both of your responses and just the variety of ways that you guys are trying to reach out to your community to listen, to serve, to empower, to resource and equip. Um, but as pastors of really large churches with you already had like 10 times the work when COVID happened and you had to adapt and innovate and shift. And now with all of this as well, like what does self-care look like for you? Like how are things with your soul and, and what gives you the energy you need to make it through every day right now? Adam, you want to go first? Oh, uh, you, you go first. You're, you're good. I'll try to steal your answers. Well, Adam and I actually had an opportunity to share on a uh, broadcast earlier pre uh, when COVID first uh, started uh, on the pandemic side. And he was gracious enough to um, be on a three-part series, one of those series for us. And so that's some of what we talked about, self-care and how do we manage through. Most people coming into COVID-19 were already on overload, uh, over-functioning in different ways, not only clergy persons, but people in general. And so... For us, or me personally, it was an opportunity to be grounded again and really reprioritize what's important, what's not important. I've had long-time relationships with a couple of therapists here in the uh, Georgia, Atlanta area. And so uh, my current therapist, we reached out and said, hey, look, we're going to have to check in a little bit more frequently. And so I've upped my visits and their virtual visits, and that has been phenomenal. I've also looked at my my personal calendar and realized um, how much travel really took uh, a lot of my capacity. And so um, from meetings, I'm still having meetings and probably just as many as I had pre, but there's no uh, wear and tear of traveling to and from either an airplane or going through downtown Atlanta. And so I've gotten a lot of time back. And what I'm realizing is coming out of COVID-19, what do I need to change so that I don't add those extra things back in that 
really have become taxing. And so um, uh, I haven't always been as faithful and consistent with my devotional life, but uh, coming into this in a couple of years ago, I've really had a stronger devotional life and journey, which I'm finding for me, the things that I did before COVID-19 are actually paying the dividends that I need to make through. So I don't find myself playing a lot of catch up. So that's how I've been managing essentially. And then for our team, um, we've been reducing a lot of things and scoping a lot of things. And like many churches, we've realized there are uh, uh, some investments that we've made, some time that we put out that we've been doing without. And so when we go back, it's going to be a hard argument to convince us that we need to do certain things again. And over these last few months, we've been able to do without. So personally and professionally, we've been pruning down quite a bit and really living more simplistically and asking ourselves what's important and what's not. And what's not important, don't focus on it. That's good. That's great. For for myself, the same question. Um, like I've I've actually made a few changes, which I I'm kind of surprised my, myself. One of the biggest things, an area of my life that I feel like I haven't had control of um, for years, actually since my senior year of college, has been my my personal physical health. And um, it was kind of cool what the virus allowed. Um, a guy in our church that does training, um, he, I reached out to him and said, Hey, do you do kind of virtual training and all? And he said, well, I, I didn't until all of this happened. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah, are you interested in that? I'm like, I would love that. And so for the last month and a half, I've had him as a dietitian and also as a trainer I'm down like three and a half inches and whatever else on my waist. And it's the first time I've been consistent. I've always struggled with, and this is true of any church planter or any pastor, your time is so important. It's the most valuable thing you have is your time. And when I'm not at church, I want to be with my family. Um, I love my wife. I love my kids. And so I could never justify taking care of myself physically. Well, now it's pretty nice because my trainer is just on my phone. And so like uh, I'm working out literally in my kitchen in my, my living room. It might drive my wife certifiably insane when I keep moving around furniture so I can work out. But other than that, it's been really, really good. So that's been a huge shift. And I really feel like because it's virtual and I asked him the question, I said, would you mind continue it to be virtual and not ever have it face to face? And he's like, I'm totally okay with that. So I feel like there's a longevity to it as well, which is really good. So that's been a really cute thing. Um, what Olu mentioned, just like really a consistent time with God. This morning, I, I, I've been able to get up earlier. I don't have to drop the kids off at school. And so that, I just thought about it this morning. I have an extra t- uh, hour that I can get up. Um, I don't feel like I'm missing any family time. I get up and spend, spend time with the Lord. And then something that might seem really, really cheesy, but it's true. Um, I've just been trying to actively like look for beauty around me and not just for beauty's sake, but to see God in it. And so, I mean, listening to birds sing, like, and actually like noticing when a bird is singing. And um, the other night, my, my daughter and I, we laid on a blanket in our front yard and just, we, we were talking about the tree and how it looked differently when you're underneath it than when you see it when you're standing up. And so just some of those small, simple things to remind you that you have a soul and that you're human is what I've been trying to implement. That's great. I, I love that because in times like these, we need to find, you know, signs of beauty or hope or love to hold on yeah. to see God in our midst. Uh, I would really, I'd really say, I'd really encourage the most, the wisest thing that Olu just mentioned is seeing a counselor. Um, I've, I've seen a counselor at two different points in my life and I always wonder why I stopped going and just even hearing him mention that again, 
that's that's wisdom. Um, I think the fool is the person who doesn't reach out for help, and the wise woman, the wise man, is the person who says, "Hey, I need to get a tune up on this thing." And so, just the process of saying that's that's really really wise. Well, I think the dream of every church planter starting out would be to have a developer say, you know, I really care about you. And so the annual conference will cover a counselor, a spiritual guide, and, you know, a coach. And that would be huge. It would make all the difference because that's essential. And something else, Olu, that you mentioned that I love was that you, not just you, but your whole staff has looked at what don't we need to do anymore? Like, how do you prune back on all the programming or activities or whatever it might be that doesn't work right now that you don't have to go back to? I think that's crucial because so many planters or pastors are like, oh gosh, when restrictions are lifted and and we do start gathering again, we can't wait to go back to the way things were. And I don't know what you guys think, but in my mind, what I'm hearing planters say especially is there's no going back. That's It would be like, not helpful and with what we've learned. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, one of the things as we look at any uh, corporate community or religious or faith community, I think uh, most of our customers or congregants are never going to be upset for us not being prepared for COVID-19. And I mean, you know, in Atlanta, we've got major 50 companies, uh, Home Depot, UPS, Delta Airlines, and knowing some of the people who work for those companies, I'm very sure that in their disaster plans, as much as they pay consultants, no disaster plan detail what we've been facing the last few months. So our customers aren't uh, holding us accountable for not being prepared for COVID-19. What they will hold us accountable for is not changing post-COVID-19. And the same that's true for UPS, the same that's true for Amazon, is it going to be true for your new church? Is it going to be new, uh, true for your existing congregation? And it's also going to be true for the denomination or all of our denominations, even beyond uh, Methodism. And that's where they're really going to hold us to the fire. They're going to say, look, nobody was prepared for this, but we learned some things through this. And now a year later, you're still doing business as usual. That's unacceptable. And how does that change happen? It, it's courage. And so you look at the book of Joshua and those first few verses, God tells Joshua to be courageous more than anything. And one, to be a church planner, it already means you have courage. But in this season, God's going to tap into a whole nother level of courage that you didn't even know you possessed. Because to make the changes that are necessary organizationally in the midst of a larger system that often is risk averse or more traditional in certain approaches, it's going to take everything that's within you to be able to stand firm and say, look, uh, to your team, to yourself, to investors, to supporters, to givers, to donors, we really need to go this direction or we need to stay in this direction. And you got to be willing to take some heavy hits because of it. But know that if that's the direction God is calling you in, you've got to stay steadfast. And so one quick example, we had gone through a strategic plan with our church and, and some other visioning. And what we realize is for the next six months, we need to be focused on six things. That's it. And I was on a call yesterday with our staff team and I told them, you know, I'm I'm really going to (laughs) use my influence as lead pastor over these next six months because we agree we're going to focus on these six things. And one of the things, if I had anything to do over, I've been a church fellow for 13 years and hear me say this, if there's anything I would do over is say no more. 
because our church has done a lot of good things for a lot of good people. But when it was time for them to return the favor, there were no phone calls returned or answered. And at the end of the day, God is not going to hold you accountable for somebody else's vision. God's going to call you accountable for the vision that you were called to plant in the life of that church. And so I told our team, look, these are the six things we're going to be focused on. And if it doesn't uh, come in alignment with these six things, they may be good, but we can't do them. And we've got to be able to say no. Olu, can I, I don't know if that's okay for me to ask a question. Can I ask what some of those six things are? Because I'm, yeah. I'm taking I'm taking notes on this end. And I think we yeah. all are. <laughs> yeah, and and so the the first is related to our uh, youth and children's area, and what COVID nineteen has done is shifted, and now you have to be dual platform. Before COVID nineteen, you could be okay not having a virtual community, but now it's an absolute. So we really have to have a more robust uh, youth and children's area. Uh, another area is outreach and missions. At this point, it's not national and it's not international. All of our missions and outreach have to flow specifically in our community and they have to be addressing COVID-19. Um, another area is related to our current experience uh, and we call our worship service experience. And we've been needing to overhaul that for some time. And now more than ever, we have to overhaul it. So making sure the team is very focused on what it means to evolve the worship experience that we do every single weekend. Another area that we have to be uh, focused on is launching, and Adam is doing this far better than we are, and and that is a virtual campus. Um, And um, so it's not only, hey, watch us live for our worship experience. It's now, hey, we have to offer a uh, virtual uh, campus experience. Uh, the next thing that we're focused on, we were in a campaign to do more build out of our space. And uh, we're still moving forward with that build out. But of course, that will look a little bit different uh, than it did uh, previously. And so we're calling it phase 2A. And that's to be focused, you know, steadfast uh, on, on that area and to uh, make sure that we're focused. So those are just a few of the the areas of focus for us. But as things come up, they may be good, but if they don't hit in uh, those areas, then we we can't do it. And I'm sorry, the final area, what we call, most churches call small groups, we call them our imprint groups. And so uh, making sure our Christian education, our imprint area or small groups are, are really doing well and that we're able to share those um, with people. So those are the six things. That's amazing. That's great. Something, something that I would encourage the group with So I was on a conference call, a zoom call last night with 45 leaders from around the world, including like the head of the Anglican church over Australia, Hillsong folks, this kind of thing. The one thing everybody consistently said is we're now new, we're church planters again. And I thought that was so powerful, even um, regardless kind of what you think of him, but even Stephen Furtick, um, he was on a podcast recently and they said, Stephen, you're the pastor of 25,000 people. And he said, well, actually I need to correct you. Uh, as of this last week, I had 25 people in person. So he's like, that's currently the size of my church physically. And I think this, that shift is a huge shift 
And um, also, so we've, um, South Dakota was the only state that governor, um, our governor didn't shut down the state. We we're the only one of 50. So that kind of tells you a little bit about where we are politically, blah, 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 blah. But um, so we, we do not feel like renegades in doing this. That's not embraces MO at all. Um, but we've had physical services the last two weeks. Um, and we're not the only church in town at all. Again, it did, it, we have not, we've had two comments of people who said, Hey, we disagree with you, but we still love you. So it really is not out radical for us right now, but, um, we were 29% of attendance compared to the same Sunday last year. And like really pre COVID, we were a much bigger church than we were a year ago. So I think those numbers are even worse. And so that's really kind of made me reevaluate all of us as pastors. We thought our people can't wait to come back. And that's not been true. Um, we reached out to our volunteers who are our current volunteers. Only 15% of them said they wanted to serve this summer. Um, and so that, that was a real wake up call for me. Cause I think in the back of my head, it's like, we're going to do some new things. Uh, I would never want to say this publicly now, but normal is going to come back. And uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't think it's coming back. And that, that could be bad news. And yet I think it should be really, really good news specifically for church planters. I think that's exciting. I love that. So with, you know, this big shift that's going on and rethinking what it means and what ministry looks like with regards to worship, what have you done in your online services that's different? I mean, are you literally saying this is what we do every Sunday, so we'll do all of this virtually step by step? Or are you changing the length of sermons or the order of worship? Tell us more about, or, or even the topics that you're discussing. I'm sure you plan sermon series out way ahead of time, but you mentioned, Olu, already that you're rethinking your summer series. So, so tell us more about that. Yeah, we were very proud of ourselves around October, November of 2019 for planning our series for 2020, which now are pretty much in the trash. And so <laughs> the very first time that we felt good about getting ahead is the time that we didn't need it. And so uh, we basically have scrapped our series for these last couple of months. And I was talking, we call our, our experience director uh, for the next two months. We're just doing what we call audibles. Um, now, in light of what's happening uh, across the country, police brutality and uh, riots and uh, demonstrations, we are dedicating the next two weeks to talk more thematically about uh, where our country is. And so we'll focus on the book of Amos and then also a text from Hebrews chapter 10. And then we'll roll in the Father's Day on the 21st. But for the rest of the summer, we're really going to be in audible mode. Um, so I wish I could give more wisdom there to say when you plan the most, that might be the time when you don't need it the most. So <laughs> um, that's where we are related to our themes this year. That's great. Thanks. What about you, Adam? What's Embrace up to? I feel like what he just said is he just read my soul. We've never been so planned ahead. We had the greatest game plan ever for 2020 and then it just gets thrown away. And so um, for, for us, we even, we, I just, we just had a two hour content planning uh, meeting for our series coming up um, two series from now. And we, we again changed it. So we co totally, uh, we totally went away from things uh, right into the virus. We did a, a series called scattered and preach from first Peter. He says that I'm writing to all my basically brothers and sisters scattered throughout the region. And so we, we did a series called scattered. Um, right now we're in a series called great expectations. Um, 
looking at Psalms and that might seem like a strange time to, to do a series called great expectations, but, um, the series is based off God, not off of the here and now. And so, um, we've been doing that series and, um, gonna, again, address things around George Floyd again this weekend, um, with, with that different things. Um, and then, um, starting father's day, we're doing a kind of a fun series just cause we think people need something lighthearted. So it's basically the music version of at the movies. And so we're going to tie different songs, um, and then really kind of, kind of, kind of move from the song to God and what we can learn about who God is from that different things that we've done in the service. Um, we, we have, you know, we've had our online experience, but we haven't really ever leaned into it fully. It's been there. Um, but we haven't leaned into it fully. Um, as of not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll go from three camera shots to eight or nine camera shots. So we just had our family give um, to be able to up that. So we'll just up that. Um, we've also added a full um, like online host spot. So before the service starts at our broadcast campus, we have a three-minute spot where there's two people some staff, sometimes it's volunteers. This week, they're going to do an, in, uh, an interview in that three-minute spot of just like, we do something called a run project. It's where um, anybody connected to Embrace can apply for $2,000 to go do something for, other, for anyone other than themselves. Um, so we approve run projects, and that's probably one of our main ways we give away money. We just approved, I think, another five run projects, so $10,000 this week. And so we're able to do that. It's given those abilities, we're able to say no for us as a big church. But when someone has something placed on their heart in a small version, we say, hey, we want to come alongside you and give two grand to help you get it off the ground. And so there's going to be an interview at the start of our service this Sunday about someone who did a run project. It's a, it's a lady who has a heart. She's had three miscarriages. And so it's, um, she's created a nonprofit that sends flowers to a mom on the, the date of the, their child's birth of, of when the miscarriage took place. Um, cause oftentimes that's a forgotten date for women and we want to come alongside and, and really honor, honor that, that life and that, that woman that, she, that we noticed. So we've done some of that. Um, we've also done, um, uh, we, for our last, uh, for our other series that we did was, uh, we, it was called good question two different points in the service. We asked a question. One was a lighthearted question and the other one was heavier. And so we'd ask the question and then people would post it on the chat in YouTube or Facebook. And then we'd share from every service real time. We'd share three of those in the message. And then we'd have, so the pastor would come up and say, Hey, uh, we asked this question earlier in the service. Here's a few of the responses and they'd put them up on the screen and then we'd share them. And then um, a second question for you, it was a heavier question. We'd have people respond and that it was around the message. And then we'd talk about that. Um, at the end of the message, I would come up if I wasn't preaching and we'd discuss it. So the one week is on forgiveness. Uh, who is a person in your life that you struggle to forgive? And we got everything from I was molested as a little girl, um, and I've been trying to forgive that person, to a spouse that cheated, to whatever. And obviously, taking all the names off of it and stuff like that, but really addressing things that people are, are wrestling with. And that, that was really powerful, too. So that was an interactive piece. I love that because that was going to be one of my questions for both of you is how are you engaging people online so that they feel 
connected to the worship experience, even if they're in their home in their pajamas or whatever. Um, so how are you or what are you seeing when it comes to virtual guests that are just joining you for the first time? How do you know who they are? Are they coming back? How do you reach out to them? Like what's your follow-up plan? Yeah, we really don't have a fully baked follow-up plan as it relates to the virtual community outside of a social media platform. I will take one step back knowing that there are developers who are here and other folks who are connected to many churches to know you hear Adam and I talk about types of equipment and things of that sort and don't want people to be discouraged about creating a virtual community or virtual worship because you may be um, at your kitchen table with your cell phone on a tripod and uh, you're doing a uh, Facebook Live. What I think people are looking for more so than very skilled video and presentation is authentic video and presentation. So I want to encourage each of you around that as you're talking to leaders who may be in different contexts and they're a little bit concerned about being able to broadcast uh, or the quality of their broadcast. But as it relates to the data tracking part, that's something that we're ramping up for and uh, doing uh, much more. And so we're uh, looking at other um, organizations, other churches about being able to capture that data. We do know that we are seeing more people uh, virtually. And um, as we do prepare to phase back in face-to-face -face worship, we wanna make sure we continue uh, with those individuals. So for us, uh, our approach to uh, retaining and um, affirming and staying connected to those individuals is shifting from a mindset of having a worship service online for an hour once a week to how do we build a campus online that actually has the um, uh, inputs and outputs to be able to manage people uh, and visitors to our space. So that's something we're working through right now. That's great. That's, that's so good. I, I really want to, Olu, he should just go first on every question because everything he says is so good. Um, I, I want to encourage you and I almost want to apologize that I kind of said this big thing because that's not helpful as a new church. Um, Embrace's online experience started with a $20 camera um, that we hooked up to a thing and we, we, we had a live stream account that was free. And for the first year, we couldn't afford anything than a free live stream account. Well, one of the ads, so there'd be ads that would run about once a service, an ad would pop up. And one of the main um, advertisements on live stream at the time was for Trojans. And so uh, Trojan man would come up during a worship service and uh, we'd have families be like, is there any way we can get rid of Trojan man in the middle of worship? And I'm like, well, about that, actually, we just need some money and we'll get rid of Trojan man as quick as we can. And so just start small. Olu said it so, so well, start small. And more than any other time, um, I, I think Jimmy Fallon is doing a brilliant job of using small. I mean, it's him. It's literally his daughter is flipping stuff in front of you and changing stuff. Um, he, 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 that, that's been a great picture. Um, something I got from uh, Carlos Whitaker, because uh, Carlos does a ton of stuff online. I said, Carlos, what do you do that makes it look so good? And I thought he was going to tell me this piece of equipment that costs thousands of dollars. He's like, I just have a ring circle thing that I put my phone on. And I'm like, how much does that cost? And I'm thinking to myself, I can't spend a lot of money right now because we're trying to really not spend funds. And he's like, ah, here's the one I got. It was $52. 
And, and it's huge. The glare always messes with my glasses, so I can't use it as well as I hope. Um, but that, that could be something simple. And um, for Good Friday, the worship service was in my living room with my phone, with the $52 ring. And my, do- uh, my son played the worship music. He played the guitar. And um, my first full-time hire, he's still on staff, he called me. And he said, Adam, I think that's my favorite service in the history of Embrace. He's like, it was just beautiful. I think people are after. So what Olu said is so right on. Ours is actually fairly simple. Our follow-up process, we treat it just like if you come in person. In the chat, when we welcome you, um, hey, if you're coming to Embrace for the first time online, um, we want to encourage you to let us know about it. We'd love to follow up with you and connect with you. And so we just drop in a simple link that's linked to a simple online form, something that I think anybody can create, just name, just that. And so that's how we do the follow-up. And we do that, again, we just drop it in the chat. On um, We use the online church platform. We use YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I love the, the, the um, viralness of Facebook is good, um, but they've, the online church, church platform and Facebook has really struggled to keep up with all the churches. Uh, the best video that we found is YouTube. I mean, YouTube has been very, very consistent. So we just, but we just drop it on and we have a team of four volunteers that run our online right now, as far as the chatter and stuff like that. So they're, they're volunteer positions. We're hoping to get it to 10 volunteers every Sunday morning for that. And so start, start small, but it can be super simple. That's amazing. I love that. And, and it is great with YouTube. You can have multiple channels on that one page. So you could have a worship stream. And then if you're doing a prayer service once a week or, you know, some kids sermon or pajama worship that they're calling it, all of that could be included on that one page. And it, it's a resource there. It's free, right? You're not paying for YouTube. So that's amazing. Okay. Well, it's good to hear that even with a $52 ring, we can make something happen when it comes to online yes. worship. Um, and as you're thinking, I think, Olu, you mentioned talking about an online campus that's going to be ongoing. So I, knowing that this is a Methodist podcast, I figured I would really get people riled up and ask what sacraments will look like in this online only community. What are we going to do with this? And caveat, because I don't want to lose my job. It's up to your bishop and your DS. Talk to them. Don't just listen to what they say and go rogue. But, um, but yeah, how, how are you thinking or discerning you'll handle things like that? Well, so far we've had one of the sacraments of Holy Communion, uh, and that was earlier last month, and we felt it went very well. Of course, um, one of our uh, leaders was on camera, and they had sacraments there and consecrated those. We had sent out some pre-notification we do a Thursday, Friday promo video telling folks, hey, this is what's coming up this weekend. So we had told them to gather um, the elements that they would need for that Sunday. And uh, it went very well. We were very pleased with it. Um, we also, a couple of weeks ago, inducted a new membership. We call them impactors and had about 18 people who um, had taken their vows and gone to the what we call our membership class, which is Ignite in a virtual experience, and then we celebrated them virtually. And so uh, the third opportunity that we have is around baptism. And so uh, still thinking and and working through that, but we uh, are finding, as you said, we're in a new frontier. And I think it's also a great time to be a first time church planner for uh, those who are here on this uh, Zoom call, because 
you are really creating uh, new normals that other people years from now will use um, to help build their formulas and, and build uh, their plans. And uh, the reality of it is there aren't a lot of answers people can give you, even as it relates to some of the denominational officials. We are just in a new, new territory. And that word courage comes in again to where you're going to have to be willing to partner up with some other people, be innovative, be creative, of course, hold true to whatever uh, you believe is right and just, but uh, there's a wide open field here for exploration if you've got the courage to do it. That's great. Um, Adam, have you guys done any communion services on yeah, that? Yeah, that so communion-wise, we just encourage people to grab something whether it's a cracker, a piece of bread, a fruit loop, whatever it might be. And then just a, a liquid of some kind, juice, wine. I said, some of you may want, have been looking for an excuse to have some wine. <laughs> and so just uh, find those elements and really to empower them as the priesthood of all believers. Um, and just, I, I just, I said, whether you feel like you're a pastor or not, I'm declaring that you are a pastor. And I think that was a really powerful thing. We actually, I had a wife reach out whose husband has really not been the best husband over the years. And over the last year and a half, God has really been, began to change him. Um, before that, I wanted to drop kick him several times. And, <laughs> and uh, she said, uh, after the Good Friday service, we serve communion on Good Friday. Uh, she said, my husband asked if he could serve our family communion. And she said, it's something I'll never forget. And I know my kids will never forget either that he actually wanted to, to like really be active in his walk with Christ in front of our family. And so it's really a neat opportunity. One of the quotes I heard last, last night, um, I can't remember who, who said it, but he, they said the, the, the church is now uh, people's homes. Um, I mean, that's like, that's where it is. Like, uh, and our, we need to equip people as the priesthood of all believers. I thought that was powerful. Something we've been trying to do, but we haven't had any luck on it. We just haven't had any takers on it yet is uh, virtual baptisms. Um, I, I've, I've been praying for it. Every person's like, because uh, we've had a lot of heart change through this, like life change in people. And I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized. And I've been, I've been just trying to uh, you know, encourage someone, hey, I'd be willing to do it through Zoom. Um, as far as like, if you have one person in your house, I can do all the, the praying and I can do all the words and then just have someone dump a bucket of water on top of your head. And I just know if one person did it, I know we'd have a ripple effect. And so I just keep praying like that we'll have one person that's, that's bold enough to, to try it because I think it'd be so cool. And ideally, I said we could do it over a Zoom call. Um, if you feel good about that, um, but we could do a Facebook live and really kind of do it as a public declaration if you want to, whatever you're up for. So that sounds right. I'm I'm gonna Amazon you a kiddie pool, Adam, to share with whoever <laughs> says they'll do it first. Right? Uh, <laughs> that that sounds amazing. Um, so I have like one more question for you guys. So anyone listening in, if you want to ask a question or type it into chat. You know, do that now so we can make the most of this time and learn as much as possible. Um, okay, so a question that has come in from church planters relates to like finances. And I, we, I'm not asking you to go into specifics, but have you found, generally speaking, that giving is pretty much 
what it was? Has it gone up or down? Because I'm assuming you guys have more online givers already. You already had that platform in place, unlike other churches that were scrambling to figure out how to adapt. But any suggestions for church planters starting out in terms of their budget and what to expect from an online community? You go ahead, buddy. Yeah. So for us, um, I, I honestly can't explain it for us. Um, we have, we've actually been right on track with our giving, which is nothing short of the grace of God. Um, I, I, I can't explain it. I don't understand why it's the, the way it is away from God. Um, we did have our online giving in, um, uh, in place already. So that definitely helped us, but still have been really, really pleasantly surprised. Um, most of our bigger givers have given by check, like they, they're older. And so they continue to give by check. So I think when mentioned it, like in the service, we always mention you can give by mail. Um, cause there's just certain people who don't like, they just, they don't want to can be connected to the bank and have all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a little bit of lack of trust and that kind of stuff with whenever you do that. And so, Hey, if you're online with us, we're, we say it every single time online is our top audience when, when we're doing our services, even the last two weeks. Hey, if you're online, uh, you can go to imembrace.com backslash give. You can send a check in the mail if, you, if you'd like. We're so grateful for your generosity. If you're in person, um, we are not going to pass any baskets, uh, but we have two different um, um, places that you can give, two different giving stations that you can give in manually. There's also an iPad in our entryway if you want to give electronically there. So we really consistently add those, uh, have those options. I mean, I think even online to continue to say, here's a mailing address that you can send, uh, no matter how advanced and technological we are, I think, uh, make it as easy as you possibly can. Um, oh, by mail. Oh gosh. I wonder what embraces addresses. Well, I'll do that tomorrow. And then it never happens. I mean, like make it like, I'll even send you an envelope with a stamp on it if you want it. Like, <laughs> like, and so make it as easy as you possibly can. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then just have options. Um, we, we started a PayPal account. We're trying to do, um, we looked into Venmo and tried to do it that way as well, just to make the options as easy as we can. And then and pray um, more than anything, cast vision. I think that'd be my biggest thing. We always, in our, in our time of giving, we always try to share what their giving has allowed the church to do and what it, what it does. And so, you know, stories of any transformed lives are, are opportunities to say, Hey, uh, and, and not to always tie it to money, but Hey, uh, at all staff, we had two, a guy and a gal share their story about how God's changed them through all this. And we were able to say, this is because of what you, what you do. This is because of your giving that we've been allowed to reach these two people. Um, so I think just constantly sharing vision around it. That's great. What are you seeing at impact? Yeah. And, uh, to Adam's uh, journey, it's been similar to ours. Uh, one of my mentors is here on the call, uh, Rodney Smothers. And we talk, uh, throughout the week. And, uh, we also talk after church on Sundays and he gives a uh, reflection and, and it's very helpful. But one of the things I'm working on a book for Advent. So I'll reveal this early, uh, that I'll reveal in the book, but, uh, he would always tell me, Oh, I have a scarcity mentality. And so one of the uh, leadership struggles I've always had is around fear and anxiety. And it's amazing that when a bishop lays hands on you and says, take now authority, for some reason, 
all the things that we struggle with don't go away at the altar at our ordination. And so when COVID-19 hit, fear and anxiety rose up in me like something fierce uh, to the point to where you go through all of these scenarios about what are you going to have to transition first? What uh, things can we no longer have? What people? And I know there are church planners on the call and you are likely the only person on your team. But as your church grows, there'll be more people on your team. And, and you realize that uh, whether somebody gets paid a lot or a little, they're depending on uh, what that church helps to provide. So um, we started going through some scenarios with our finance team. What happens if we go to 95%? What happens if we go to 90? What happens if we go to 80, 85, all the way down to, you know, below 50 and God reminded me uh, over and over again, Olu, I got this. And it's not to say that God doesn't have any other church that has seen some major uh, decreases, but uh, we have been uh, experiencing uh, generosity flow uh, and have been able to meet some savings goals that pre-COVID-19 we had struggled to meet. Um, and so that's been a balance between <clears throat> asking ourselves what things have we been spending on that we don't need to spend on? So like any household, reducing our expenses and also grateful that people have continued to be faithful. Now, let me take the spiritual side out and be very strategic. And this is something I've talked to leaders across the country about and, and wrote in uh, one of my latest books, uh, 4D Impact, around technology. And I've been preaching this for years you have to go to digital platforms of giving. And there were a lot of people who ignored it. There were some people who had finance teams that were very strong and uh, very deeply theological people and would use Jesus clearing out the temple. And so there were a lot of technology platforms related to giving that they didn't invest in. So going into COVID-19, 60% of our income was digital. Um, and so now it's even more. So there's a strategic side to this thing and there's a spiritual side to it. So I, I think those things have helped us. I want to encourage some church planners uh, around a few things related to finances that I was taught and I've learned. Um, sometimes if you look at numbers week to week, it will drive you crazy. I know the people who you report to may want week to week, but sometimes week to week is just too much from attendance to numbers. It's just, you'll be on an up and down roller coaster for 52 uh, uh, weeks out of the year. So what I've learned, look more monthly or quarterly as it relates to how generosity is trending, but also have learned to look that way as it relates to certain investments. So there's a person that you really need uh, and you look at an annual salary, it, you can't afford an annual salary, but if you break that down into months and quarters, then it becomes more uh, easily to obtain and for you know donors to buy into. Um, but outside of those kind of things, uh, the most important thing I've learned, and I learned this from a nonprofit leader, because a lot of nonprofits uh, say United Way, uh, traditional nonprofits are really jealous of local churches because they say, hey, to raise the money we have to raise, we get two or three banquets a year. And if we don't raise that money in that banquet, uh, then we're going to be out of business. They say you get 52 times a year to talk to your donor base. And for most of us in our churches, we waste them. We probably out of 52 have about two or three good appeal Sundays. So as a church planner, if you can get uh, a team around making gifted appeals, whenever your appeals are, you got to tell your story, you got to advertise your story, you got to tell people why you're important, why you're relevant. You just can't assume that people think that they should give to you because you say you're the church of Jesus Christ. There are a million other things that they want to give to 
that may make a better case than you. So take advantage of your 52 appeal opportunities to your donor base and don't take for granted that people just will be generous. I love that. That's amazing. That's a good word. So I hope you guys are all taking notes. Uh, And we do have, I want to throw in a question that's come up in the chat from Jasper out in Colorado at Belong Church. And he asked for the people who have found or connected with your community since the pandemic, what have they said brought them to you? Like what sorts of things might be most meaningful for us to think about offering or creating? Go ahead, Adam. I'll go after you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, first off, is Rodney a part of your ch- church, Olu? Is that what you said? If he's lo- Rodney, if you're looking for a he new church, been, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take you. We'll he take has you. been our unpaid <laughs> coaching consultant for 13 years. And I tell you, impact would not be what it is without Rodney. Go, yeah, come on up to South Dakota. The beaches here are amazing. You're going to love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, no, for us, I think a couple different things that like we, we, you know, we've encouraged, um, sharing. So like during, uh, during the service, even this last week, Hey, I want to welcome if you're joining us online. Oh, Hey, also, if you would just click the share button right now. And uh, it's amazing to think about who God could reach through something as simple as a share. So I think just those, those, those simple little th- things of that has drawn people of, Hey, I saw you, uh, my friend attends your church. And they shared it on their Facebook wall. Sometimes it's the simplest things that make the biggest impact. So I think that another thing that we've really been leaning into, and I mentioned it earlier, um, because uh, we've thought about it a lot the last two weeks when we realized everybody's not going to come back physically. I mean, it was a rude awakening the last two weeks have been. I'll just be honest with you. Um, Monday, our team uh, was highly discouraged. That's just being completely honest, um, highly discouraged. One guy said, he said, I did not go into ministry to be an online pastor. You know, like that's not what I, that's not, I didn't sign up for that. And he, he said, every part of my job that I love has been taken away from me, not by any of us, not by me, by the virus. And so I think just thinking through that, but what we've really decided this summer is we're going to push into those run projects like never before. And so I've, I think I've, I, actually, I know I've seen God use those for outreach of just really seeing this is an opportunity for us as a church to be the church. Um, you know, even one thing I regret and not even tying Embrace's name to it is that with the peaceful protest on Sunday, I wish we would have done a better job of just like intentionally showing up as a church. And I don't even know what that looks like. There was a ton of embrace people there. I saw, I mean, every other person I felt like was coming up to me and say, Hey, Adam, but I just wish, I just wish we would have done more just to be honest with you, even in that type of thing. Um, and so I think just really looking for our opportunities to just show and, and, and love people. Uh, and I think people are skeptical of when you start throwing your logo and stuff all over things. And so do it with no strings attached. Um, the, the, again, even the family we're serving today, um, unless they ask where we're all from, we're not going to tell them, Hey, and we're from the church. It's like, no, we're just people who love Jesus and wanted to love somebody else this week. And so I, and then I, I think that honestly has even a stronger impact, um, a book that, uh, a book, and he does a little bit more of a marketing push onto it, but a book, um, that I think is really, really solid as far as like actively looking for ways um, to kind of be the hands and feet and also be for your community um, is Jeff Henderson's book just called Four. 
It's a really simple book. It'd be a great book for church planters. It's just got some really good wisdom in it. Super short chapters. You don't feel like you're drowned in stuff. Um, but that's something we've really tried to tried to implement too. So that's been another way that people have come is just really getting out in the community and just being hands and feet of Jesus. Um, sometimes it's the simplest things. Ditto to everything Adam just said. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Well, and I love and appreciate your honesty, Adam, about having our in-person worship again and people just not coming back. And I think that's something that all of us need to continue to ponder because we're sensing a few people pushing, hey, I want to get back. I want to get back. So you put all this work into it. But is that going to be sustainable? What shifts need to be made, especially if you don't have the same volunteers that want to show up to make Sunday mornings happen? So this really is, it, it, it can feel really heavy or overwhelming, like how do we innovate during this time? But it could be the greatest gift for um, the church universal to figure out how to reach out when so much of what church has been for us is gone now, right? If if you're not singing and you're not pastoring, offering baskets and you're not allowed to hug and you're six feet away and there's no kids ministry or whatever it might be, like what what does worship look like? Getting back to the heart of that can be. Yeah, and this, this is say it again, I think we live in the area of the country that most people are like, this virus is a joke. I mean, that's kind of the feel with it. And for if in our area of the country, if the response has been back to physical services is any indicator, I look at like major cities and any of that. And I'm just like, wow, this could really, this could really be interesting. Again, most people in our area of the country are like, it's fine. You'll be fine. You know, like, like even hearing people like, I just want to get over with it. So I kind of want to get exposed. I'm like, yeah, that's the, uh, okay. I don't know if you should be doing that. And so, but if that's kind of the mentality, like I really think in other parts of the country, it's going to be, it's going to be much more intense and a slower process. Absolutely. Tennessee has been pretty open with, you know, we haven't done a lot of shelter in place stuff. And my husband has a small part-time church, but they said they don't even want to consider meeting till at least August. And that amazed me because I never see masks on Tennesseans when I'm out grocery shopping. And I'm like, wow, but no one in that church is asking at all to gather again. So I think even for smaller, older churches, it might, the same will be true. For sure. What are you thinking at Impact, Olu? Are you guys planning in-person worship at any point in the future? Yeah, we've been uh, blessed to be kind of close to some epicenter of health community, CDC, and some other things here in the city. So we've been uh, looking at science, we've been looking at healthcare, and of course, uh, the directive of our bishop. And in North Georgia, they're really not encouraging anyone unless the notification is different into mid-June. So we're looking at uh, mid-July of reopening, and that would be a phased approach, of course, as Adam is experiencing nowhere near as many people as we saw uh, earlier on. And so we're also having some conversations around what would external worship look like, either from screens to where people have some options uh, around uh, being inside at a limited number and also being external. And then there are other parts of the ministry, such as our little cafe. Uh, and as much as we love youth and children, uh, those things likely may not come back online until 2021. And so there are just some real realities that we're facing and having to do church differently is our motto and tagline. And so now 13 years into it, we have that opportunity to do church differently again. That's a great vision statement. It, it's a gift that keeps mm-hmm. on giving in terms of pushing you into the future. <laughs> 
I love that. Well, I am just so deeply grateful, honored for your time today, um, Olu and Adam, and your ministry. I think on our, there's a Facebook group where we were talking over the summer about who the grandmas and grandpas are of church planting. And you're both very, very young. But when it comes to church planting, you are granddaddies. Let me tell you, because you survived. (laughs) We've got beards and lost our hair. (laughs) You both shifted your hair from up top to, yeah. On your beards, but um, but you're surviving and your churches are growing. They're making a difference. They're transforming lives. Thank you again and blessings on your continued ministry. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.